I mean, we've been hit over the head by the same male stories over and over and over and over, and that gets pretty old. Welcome to Unraveling Pink, a podcast tackling gender bias through conversation. I'm Annie Rogaski. This episode will focus on a topic that I struggled with whether to actually get into this or not, and you'll hear a little bit about that struggle in our conversation, so I'm not even going to preview it. I'm just going to let you hear about the topic as Sam heard about the topic. As always, would love to hear your thoughts on these episodes and the direction that the podcast is going. You can always reach me at unravelingpink at gmail.com or on Twitter, message me at unravelingpink. Thanks, as always, for listening. Here's my conversation with Sam. So today, this is a topic I've wanted to talk about for a long time, and you initially resisted it when I first brought it up, and I've socialized it with a number of people, and they were, had a negative reaction to it, too. So what better thing to talk about than what no one wants to hear about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please, please continue. Yes, which is the patriarchy. Why I wanted to talk about this topic was that I feel like it's a misunderstood term it's an overused term and it's a trigger term. Like it gets really, people really upset or agitated or wanting to go to battle. And as I looked at it, I realized it was not quite what I thought it was. And I think people, typically male people, tend to have a negative reaction to the patriarchy. Like I'm saying, you're the patriarchy, Sam, when it's more a societal structure that we all set up just like the man box. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that to sort of destigmatize de it from a personal standpoint and then talk about how some people have explained the patriarchy, how it shows up, and then maybe we can talk about different aspects of that. My the initial resistance to talking about it was I thought it was going to be placed at the feet of men and we were going to do a 10-episode arc about, you know, <laughs> all right, Sam, explain why patriarchy exists. And I was like, I, I don't want to do that. No. That no. doesn't sound fun. Sam, tell me how we break up the patriarchy. Now, why did you do this? <laughs> this is your fault. Right. I think that's and, how a lot us. of guys feel, right? Or let me ask you this. How do you feel when you hear the word <laughs> the patriarchy? What is that? See, I pump the, I pump the brakes <sighs> right then. That's how a lot of guys feel, right? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> that's how I felt. Yeah. Uh, what was your question? Sorry. What is your reaction to like? Let's say you're just having a conversation with somebody, and um, and she says something about the patriarchy. Do you feel like it's a comment on you, as a person, as a man, or is it just a comment on society generally? I don't think it's a comment on me necessarily. No, but uh, to me, a lot of it is invisible, and I know that we've kind of shared that prior to talking now. The way things are set up right now, uh, we it, it is what it is, and um, I don't often think, okay, well, that's that's patriarchal. Mm -hmm. um, so when a woman brings it up or I hear it somewhere in the media, I stop and think. I'm like, oh, yeah, that is kind of patriarchal. Because everything, most everything, and how the system is set up, um, is is set up that way. 
I was looking at a couple different ways that the patriarchy is defined. There was a, a quote that I wanted to share from a Guardian article that we'll put uh, the link to in the show notes that is a little bit long, so bear with me. But there are a lot of pieces that come out of this quote that I wanted to talk with you about. So the quote is, Part of the idea of patriarchy is that this oppression of women is multi-layered. It operates through inequalities at the level of the law and the state, but also through the home and the workplace. It is upheld by powerful cultural norms and supported by tradition, education, and religion. It reproduces itself endlessly through these norms and structures, which are themselves patriarchal in nature, and thus has its a way of seeming natural or inevitable, or else in a liberal context, it is obscured by piecemeal advances in gender equality, because it offers the idea of a structure of power relations, rather than a series of specific sexist acts, patriarchy accommodates the idea that not all men enthusiastically uphold it or benefit equally from it, and that some women may, on the other hand, do a great deal towards supporting it. It also allows for the fact that however much we might loathe it, we all perforce participate in it. And so that, there are a couple things in that quote that you have already talked about, like, like whether it's, you know, not all men or personal versus structural. But what struck me is all the different ways that the patriarchy shows up in the law and the state and the home and the workplace and religion and tradition and education and it's, I think, as you said, so pervasive that we, like, it's just the norm. We just don't even think about it for the most part if we don't have to, which makes it really hard to think about how to start dismantling the patriarchy if it is a structure that people would like to not have in place anymore. That sounds um, easy. Yeah. So solutions, Sam. What are we going to do okay. about this? Step, step number one, <laughs> tear it all down. <laughs> So um, maybe we can take a couple of those different ways that it shows up and just talk about them. Sure. Like you look at the majority religions in our country or the world and they're patriarchal in nature. There is the traditional, I saw my parents do this and therefore I have an expectation of who does what. There's also the for the people who are religious, there's the religious expectations. Mm -hmm. And I think we see a lot of that playing out, um, particularly among the older generations, I would say. I think it's maybe less so among millennials and Gen X, but this expectation that um, women will be the caregivers or women will take care of the home. Mm -hmm. and um, And that's a pretty heavy force to keep women in place. I hear you talking about religion and that construct of male role and female role. Um, that's, I was going to say, those are shackles that are harder to break. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nearly impossible in a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I, so my personal... Um, journey has been interesting on the religion side. I wasn't planning to get into this, but somehow I'm talking about it. You, you walked right into it. <laughs> yeah, I grew up Catholic, and I was, I always, 
as an adult kind of struggled with the church for some pretty obvious reasons. And the more I learned and grew as a human being, the more frustrated I got with it because there was so little equality. Well, there's no equality in the church. And so it's like I never heard a sermon by a female until I was, I don't know, my 40s. And it was amazing. It was like, wow, someone is speaking in terms that resonate with me. And it was this uh, awakening of, I can't believe I've sat through 40 years of sermons by men who have no idea what my experience is, and I can't relate to their experience. And um, that was just a personal moment for me of feeling how disconnected I was from this whole organization. It's interesting to see how when you pay attention to all the subtle messaging in your life, how it impacts you. Like looking around in, in my world, you know, the, the church that I'm no longer a part of, but I used to be, was all run by men and that perspective. The entertainment that I watch is almost entirely men and from their perspective. Mm -hmm. The uh, leaders of our country are almost entirely men. The bosses that I've had have been almost entirely men. And we're at this amazing time right now where women's voices are coming out more. And I noticed just in watching movies that are directed or written by women or watching all-female sketch comedy, I get it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's this weird comfort where I kind of settle into the story or I settle into the comedy and I don't have to put myself in the male societal world. Yeah. It's a really fascinating shift that I didn't even know until the first time I experienced it. I mean, we've been hit over the head by the same male stories over and over and over and over, and that gets pretty old. Yeah. I do hope we see more stories by women because I think there's a lot in the female experience that is not out there. And I think it can only help to have more female voices and perspectives heard and understood, hopefully. Yeah, I think the, the future is a bit more bright than it ever has been. Yeah. It goes back to what you said about um, not hearing a sermon from a woman in 40 some odd years and how refreshing it was to finally hear it. Girls that are growing up now have more access to those types of um, movies and books and stories and uh, are hearing more about uh, women doing things in the world than, they, than we ever did. Mm -hmm. I, I think I had shared a story during the man box stuff about every so often a couple parents come in and teach the kids about um, an artist mm -hmm. and a musician and my son was in first grade at the time. And after like maybe the third session, a girl whose name was Amelia raised her hand. And uh, she said, why are, why are they all men? And mm. it's just like this bomb went off. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, they are all men. Yeah. 
going back to what you said about all we hear about are male accomplishments throughout history, and we're overlooking women. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that's changed at all. Well, so from an education standpoint, education it's really standpoint. hard to change mm-hmm. the curriculum. The narrative, yeah. But it'll be interesting to see if things start changing because there seems to be an extra emphasis right now on retelling the true history. So, for example, there was the 1619 project that the New York Times did on um, the 400-year uh, anniversary of slavery starting in our country and telling stories that I never read about in school. Um, I mean, we have a very selected historical education that we teach our kids in this country, and it has a particular lens that is extremely patriarchal and, of course, white. And I'm hoping that this momentum or increased emphasis now can drive a shift where we have a more representative history of our actual history. I was reading that I think it's something like only 5% of the history that we teach our kids is about women. 5%. And there are stories of, you know, all these female scientists who get overlooked. There's the Hidden Figures movie that brought some attention to the NASA scientists. So people are digging up the history that hasn't been shared before, but it's like an exception here and there. We don't have a deliberate movement towards let's actually get our history correct. Um, And there's always going to be some bias in it. Someone's going to select something over something else, but to better reflect the gender and racial makeup of our country over time would be a really nice way to chip away at the patriarchy. That's happening now. It's uh, about the storyteller. There are more storytellers that are women, um, whereas before it was all controlled by men. Yeah. Um, And they were, you know, sharing the stories that meant most to them. And and through their own perspective, I'm surprised you haven't brought up politics. I was actually. That was the next thing I was thinking of. Okay, yeah. I think it could be like an ongoing dialogue because there's always something... Uh, any given week, there's just stuff I roll my eyes at. Yes. Well, something that I rolled my eyes at on the politics front recently was for the 2020 election, somebody was indicating that he thought that this would this election would be about masculinity. It was going to be a battle of who was the more masculine candidate, Trump or whatever Democratic candidate made it through the primaries. And... That, of course, brings up the question of, well, if you it, if it's a battle of masculinity, what does that mean for the women in the race? And there are a lot of women, a lot of strong women in the race. Does masculinity mean you have to be male? Or um, there's a better understanding now that everyone has both masculine and feminine traits. And some, like if you just look at the female candidates, like if we just look at Warren and... Um, Harris. I would say Harris seems kind of stronger and Warren seems almost softer. Warren seems more feminine to me and Harris seems to have more 
strength and masculine um, characteristics. Does that mean that Harris would be the better candidate or can men and women not even see a female candidate as masculine enough to defeat Trump? The problem is the more masculine you are as a woman, there's blowback from that. Like you can't be too masculine. That was the big knock on Hillary. Yeah. She wasn't likable enough. She wasn't, I don't know, uh, whatever adjective. Likable is the one. one. Yeah, likable. That's the one that gets, that knocks women down. You know, whether or not she listened to advisors and tried to liken it up, I'm sure she had to, but that's tough because do they say the same thing to men? I worry that, you know, as accomplished as uh, Kamala Harris is, I worry that men will reject her because she's too assertive. For a woman. I thought about this earlier today for either man or woman. I think really? she's a bit too assertive, yeah. Because I first More thought. More assertive than Trump. Assertive in a different sense. Okay. I don't think Trump's assertive. Well, he's he's a bully. He, he's he's bombastic. just yeah. It's yeah. it's all rhetoric, yeah. you know, and that's not assertive to me. It's okay. just a, just a word vomit. Kamala knows the issues. I just think you know, coming from being a prosecutor, and just kind of that um, attack, that constant mm-hmm. like pitch where she's just, her posture is like, I, I, I wouldn't argue with her. Is she approachable enough? And I'm not saying that uh, because she's a woman. I'm saying that man or woman, you're, you're kind of looking at me like, yeah, right. I'm serious. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of our listeners and what they're I know. Right now. Like yeah. Your eyes they, are rolling. They keep going. They keep your going. eyes are rolling. I, I get it. But truthfully, um, I think... What made Obama so incredible was his balance. He could be tough, but he was also, there was a softer side of him. Mm-hmm. Um, the hope and change and, and, and not, he didn't ever suffer fools. Like he would correct people in the moment and he wouldn't let people um, walk all over him. I'd like for people to think about it. Like if Kamala Harris was a man and posturing, you know, I'm getting on thin ice here, but like saying and and posturing the same way as she is, would you gravitate to her, mm-hmm. man or woman? And I like that she's assertive. Whether or not that is an electable trait, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it works against her more because she is a woman. Is that what you're waiting for? I do believe that as well. But I, yeah. I love how you set up the question, though, of if if you take all of these traits that we see in Kamala Harris and you put them in a man, do you have the same reaction Connect, to and that? Connection and with that person. Yeah. And I think it, it, we can't downplay that enough. I mean, we have to be connected to our elected leaders. Mm-hmm. We have to like them. We have to, because like translates into trusting them. So, and that's an I'm over, gonna, I'm oversimplification. Gonna, 
Well, I'm going to jump on, on two, two things just from like trigger words for, for gender, which is like, I don't think we talk about likability for male candidates. We might have that in our general calculus of, are we going to vote for this person? Or do I connect with this person? Or do I want this person to represent me? Maybe it's in there somewhere without being articulated, but we don't as a society talk about, do I like this male candidate? I disagree with you, but okay. go ahead. I like that you're talking about Kamala Harris as assertive. What I worry about with her and being assertive, and she absolutely is assertive, I agree with you on that, is that because she's female, some men will have a negative reaction to an assertive women, woman mm-hmm. because it will be perceived as aggression or hysterical or all of these different ways that women in the workplace get dinged for being assertive without being right. nice or likable or it, sweet. It lands or, differently on yeah. men. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Okay, you you were disagreeing with me on... The likability, and if it's yeah. two male um, candidates, um, Kennedy and Nixon, the, the first televised debate, Kennedy was composed and relaxed and not sweating like Nixon was. And I think, you know, if you, if you weighed the two candidates, Nixon, you know, you could argue that he was more qualified. But Kennedy was elected, uh, Al Gore... And um, George Bush in the debates, Al Gore came off not very likable. And George Bush laughed it off. He was just a little bit more easygoing, somebody that you can connect with a little bit more. Yeah. I think yeah. that swung things his direction, among other things. But just through those debates, those debates are uh, forums for people just to say, do I like them? That's yeah. all it is. It's a popularity contest. So it does happen with male candidates. And um, candidates have lost because... Both men and women have determined, well, I hear what you're saying, but I just don't like you. There's just something about you I do not like. I wish that wasn't the case, but that's politics. And that's why I worry about Kamala Harris. You've convinced me. You're right, yeah. I remember that around GW. It's like the, can I have a beer with this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think... Warren is, she has a really nice balance of being tenacious and warm and likable. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting to see how she's evolving. And the catch-22 is for men, they're just going to look at her and say, well, she's not aggressive enough. Like, she's going to be the master-in-chief and, you know, admirals and generals are going to be reporting to her and she's going to be putting men and women in harm's way. I don't think so. Like, I'm not getting that sense from her mm. is the, uh, I think, the sentiment. So, I see more men advocating for her on Twitter than women. Oh, sure. Yeah. Which is interesting. I just me. think when push comes to shove in the middle of the country is, is you know, casting their ballots, I cringe because... It's like you have to be in this very, very narrow lane. And even then, if you just thread the needle just just perfectly, maybe, maybe you'll get the nomination. Yeah. And Beto, 
uh, and Cory Booker are saying that they both will, if they get the nomination, their running mate will be a woman. Either way, whoever is going to be nominated, there's going to be a woman on the ticket. I feel like this is, like we have so many qualified candidates and just seeing so many women on the stage in these debates is a step in the right direction. I just worry that we have lots of steps in the right direction that don't actually move the needle and until we actually have someone in an office that high in the land, it's not really going to matter. But I don't think assertive is is what candidates need to be um, in relation to Trump. I think dignified is they have to appear more dignified than he. You can't get into a dogfight with a a third grader. You can't. Okay, so last season, our favorite part of every episode was coming up with solutions. And when I say favorite, I say that ironically or sarcastically because it was always hard. Um, And this one, I mean, talking about the patriarchy as this quote that I read indicates it's so pervasive in every aspect of our society, some of which we're not even really aware of. Mm-hmm. I have a solution. My solution is to vote into office qualified women. Whether you like them or not. Yeah, I, I think so. Because I think from the standpoint of thinking about how we change this patriarchal structure that we have. I don't think we do it with men in every top position or most top positions. Mm -hmm. I think we need women in those positions to influence the direction of our country. And the generations that are coming up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and we need critical mass. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times we talk about, oh, just, you know, you get a woman into this one position and then that, that's enough. But it's not because you need other women around you to feel like you, you're, you're able to represent a perspective that is shared by, you know, 50% of the country. Um, not to say that women all think alike, but um, having more, having at least 30% women on board has, boards has been shown to be critical for women to make a difference in those boards it's hard to be the only voice and so I think I think we should have a female president I think we should have 50 percent of our congress people as females Uh, I think at every level of government we need more women and some of those women will chip away at the patriarchy and others will not but until we have that kind of critical mass, I don't think there's any hope that the patriarchal society that we're in changes. Agreed. So wait, back up for a second. You're saying that you're eliminating men from the, the, um, the pool of candidates that you would vote for. No, I'm not saying that. Okay. No. So um, I, I just wanted to clarify, so you, you're, say, you're voting for... Your, I'm not. I, I would not vote for, vote for a woman just to vote for a woman. Okay. Um, if you had the most qualified woman is what I'm asking. Talk about like the the, the nomination, like nominating our candidate mm-hmm. um, to to go for president. Mm-hmm. Of the people that are currently out there. Yeah. I would like to see a woman at the top of the ticket. Okay. Yeah. Because I think that we have it's women in the primary race that are. 
as qualified, if not more than the, the yeah. men. Okay. Yeah, they do. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If they weren't, I would not say that they should be on that ticket. I do think that we need qualified people, but I also think, you know, you're never going to have an apples to apples comparison of candidates because they have different perspectives on different issues. They have different strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So it's always going to be this, you know, I like this person 78%. I like this person 82% or something close. Um, if they were absolutely equal, I would want the woman because as a female, I want to see representation. So that pushes them over yeah. the, the if, edge. If they're absolutely okay. equal, which so are is you never able to, the So are you case. able to um, look at both sets of qualifications without that influence? Honestly, probably not. Probably not. Okay. Yeah. I just want to clarify. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not judging. I'm just, I'm just asking yeah. like, I mean, where, my, where, where your head's at. My perspective is that... There's never a perfect candidate for presidency. Mm -hmm. Everyone has strengths and weak strengths and weaknesses, yeah. and it's like uh, I do look at issues that I care about and where people are on those issues. But uh, I think no matter who sits in that position, they're going to make mistakes, and those mistakes will be different between one person and another person. So I don't think it's the case that there's a right decision and a wrong decision, like looking at the, the Democratic candidates, I do think there's a wrong decision if we bring Trump into the mix, because I think he's horrible for our country. But I don't think that one of the Democratic candidates over another is necessarily going to make such catastrophic mistakes in that position that it's clear it has to be one person over another. I'm tired of being led by almost entirely men honestly mm -hmm. I want to see women representing me and they're not going to be perfect and they're going to make mistakes and a bunch of people are going to say see this is why we shouldn't have women presidents this is why we shouldn't have women vice presidents this is why we shouldn't have women in all of these different positions but we're not going to move forward unless we get some women into those positions and I want to see it and I want to see it in 2020 fair enough so Send all your feedback to me. <laughs> I'm sure there will be feedback. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, that's how I feel. I agree. Like you, the desire of having a, a woman uh, as the candidate, you have a conviction that puts them over the edge. If it was like neck and neck, like, yeah, you're going to vote for a woman, you know? I get it. And that's, that's where men are coming from, right? They're like, I know she's qualified. I'm speaking about Hillary. She was a senator and secretary of state, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I just feel more comfortable get, having a man in there. So you're saying that equation Tips plays out men. the same way, but in the opposite way for men. For a segment of men, absolutely, yeah. yeah. The fact that she was a woman, they're like, ah, we've just always had a man in there. I just want to go with what I know. I'm voting for not yeah. her. Yeah. I think that's what makes progress so difficult mm -hmm. on, the, on the gender front is we see a reality that is male-based. Yes. Um, whether that is true or not or yeah. accurate or not or fair or not, that's what we see. Yep. And I think there's a fair amount of women, too, who are like, I've never seen a woman president. Yeah. N and not 
so I want to, but so I'm going to elect someone who looks like a president, and right. that is a male. Voting men into power um, is familiar. Yeah. I can't imagine what it would feel like to see a woman in the president's role. I can't imagine. <laughs>